Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Ready, Freddy. The word of the day is persnickety. Persnickety. <laughs> Annie, define it for us, please. Um, it's you. <laughs> You're persnickety. <laughs> Right by the word is a picture of Matt Harbach. Yes, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, hey, well, hey, welcome. That's that's a good way to start. <laughs> uh, um, Matt and I are do it. We have decided to to complete the month of January dry from from yes, booze me and um, energy drinks. Yeah. We should go out tonight. We should get some drinks. Tonight. That's cool. I will drink um, Monster, and you can drink a Miller Light. And oh, yuck. So well, you can have any. Cocktail, is there any really? consequences for this, or is it just uh, shame, eternal shame? Okay, shame. Well, that's the thing. And I was saying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like, but it's gonna be hard because Saturday we're doing our fantasy football punishment. We're going downtown. Yes. You know, all everybody's gonna be there. Yeah. It's gonna be a, a you know fun time, and I'm gonna be the designated driver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The fallout for me, I might fall asleep. Might take more naps. Honestly, <laughs> sounds great. So. Yeah. The mocktail industry is big. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, oh. would you like that or do you yeah. like? Okay. I don't. And that's the thing. It's it's the, the, the drinking thing is not it's not about I was thinking about it. It's not about the substance. Like mm. I'm not like I've got to have a drink. Yeah. It's it's the social right. piece of it. Yeah. So the being without it is like whatever. Mm-hmm. I just went down to reunion. Yeah, oh, bar yeah. And restaurant because you um, thank you, by the way, Ben and Bill got me a gift card mm-hmm. there for, for Christmas. Um, I went there with a friend and they had like all these mocktails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really good. You're mm-hmm. supposed to say, fun. Annie, did you get $300 to, to reunion? Oh, yeah. How much did they give you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did, so did you have a good meal or what would you have there? Um, yeah, they have like, they have st- like stuffed burgers. It's like a burger with like filling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> Got like the one that had like bacon on top. Oh yeah, and, like cream cheese Yum. inside of the Sounds burger. Great. Mm-hmm. Was it good? First, first couple of bites are amazing, and after that, it just sits like just like a boulder right right in the guts. Yeah. Did it's you have a mocktail? I did. Yeah. What kind? I don't remember what it was called. I asked the waitress. I said, "Which of these is the best?" Mm-hmm. And then she picked one. I said, "Okay, I'll take that one." There you go. But it's really good. Very good. Cool. And it's, I think they have like a whole if you. If you have young people with you uh, upstairs, like a big video game kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, it's like That's arcade upstairs. We've yeah. got volleyball courts. Yeah, oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Annie. Yes. What's happening? What do you? What's on your mind? Yeah. So I was thinking about one of my favorite classes in college, which was an ethics class, and we talked about all kinds of ethical systems. And um, something stood out to me that I just really remember, and. I don't know why I started thinking about it, but I, I did. And um, the subject being, it is okay to lie to someone if they expect that you are going to lie to them. Hmm. What? That was part of, I can't remember. Because the which, big question is, is it okay to lie? Right, 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 right. So is it ever, so that, yes, that led me to, you know, I was thinking about that. And then that led me to say, is, is it really ever okay to lie? Mm-hmm. And under what circumstances? And mm-hmm. is there a universal rule that we could make that says uh you know it's okay to lie in this scenario or Mm -hmm. that scenario or is it based on the other person or 
or the other entity or whatever. So, um, I was thinking about a time when I was like 13 and I walked to school, uh, middle school, and it was about six blocks and I had a friend and we would walk together and we were coming home one day and we were approached by a guy who's probably at least 20, give or take. And we're in a residential area and he says, um, you know, he's all frantic and he says, can you, can you guys come help me? My girlfriend and I are fighting at this house and he's pointing like five houses down the street and then he's all frantic and, and I'm like, what? And I, and so I lied and mm -hmm. I said, I have a dentist appointment. My mom is waiting for me. Yeah. Um, in other words, letting him know if, if I don't come home, somebody's coming to look for me. Yeah. Um, so I lied. How, how old were you again? 13. Okay. So I was like, you know, whatever. Okay. And, um, so I lied. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, had we gone to that house, mm -hmm. we'd probably not, I'd probably not be here. Yeah. So is it okay to lie? And when, and you know, I mean, this guy, obviously I'm sinister. To you. Well, that's well, that, right. So it's, it's on the other, per, you know, is it on the mm -hmm. other person or mm -hmm. entity? I mean, we could take that as far as, you know, okay, well, I'm going to lie about my taxes because the IRS, you know, is they're crooks. All taxation <laughs> well, is theft. That, well, that, but that's my point is like, the, is there a universal rule that we could say like, well, I'm going to lie to this organization or this person or mm -hmm. whatever, because they're flawed. Is that an okay universal mm -hmm. rule? Yeah. Or I think that's really hard, right? Uh, because it, you just, go by the, the Ten Commandments and, and how they're repeated in the New Testament. It talks about not giving false testimony against your neighbor. It doesn't say do not lie. And the same thing kind of when it talks about taking a life, you shall not murder. It doesn't say you shall not kill. And murder and killing are, are two different mm -hmm. things. Um, yeah. Off Before we started the podcast, I was thinking of, when you brought this up, the Egyptian midwives in the story in the first chapters of Exodus where Pharaoh sees that the Hebrew people are growing fast and he's getting intimidated and scared of them and they're, that they're growing so fast. And so they, he makes this decree that when a Hebrew boy is born, they're supposed to kill the Hebrew boy right away. And that's what the midwives were commanded to do. And then they lie and they say, oh, the, these Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They have these babies so fast before <laughs> we can't even get there in time and... And God actually blessed them with their own children. It says in the text that they were blessed in their lives for lying. Um, so maybe if you're protecting life, then is it okay to lie? You know, because I feel like in my case, it was... Definitely protecting life there, right? You know, and then in this case too. So I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a hard and fast... So rule. often, whenever Jesus talks about ethics, he doesn't lay like clear scenarios down he talks so much about the heart what's going on on the inside that's why he says you know you you you've, you've heard it said and your teachers say you shall not commit adultery but i tell you you shall not lust after a woman and the and the point is not um that lusting is the same as committing adultery in the sense but the point is i care more about your heart and where is that going and what, what direction are you leading um and and how yeah, what's really going on in your heart. And what's going on in your heart in that moment is, this guy's scum, I need to figure out a way to get out of this. That's what's going on in your heart, and that's not a bad a bad thing. What's going on in his heart, if, if, if what, who you know, if, who, who knows how that was all playing out, but it seems like very wicked and evil things. I think it gets, 
yeah, even more dicey when it comes to corrupt governments and mm-hmm. corrupt situations. Mm-hmm. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a famous Lutheran pastor who started, when he started to see how wicked the Nazi government was and he started to come awake to this, he became basically a spy uh, and tried to actively assassinate Hitler and got p- part of that. And uh, he he talks about that a lot in his writings. And then another one is Corrie Ten Boom, and she was she, same era, same situation. And she's a Christian woman, I think, from Denmark, and she was hiding Jews in her house and wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And so you don't want to just say the end justifies the means, but I think it's a lot about the heart. What are your motives? Where's it coming from? Why are you doing this? And it's a, a case by case. Um, if you're lying on your taxes just because you don't want to pay them and you don't like that they're taking it, uh, <laughs> I, you know, that's I mean, we could thing. maybe argue that yeah. it's an egregious, you know, that that mm-hmm. they're that mm-hmm. they are, you know, exploiting yeah. us a little bit, maybe. But and so, and does that give? Right. You know, are you justified in doing that? I also think people, you know, it's difficult to say just take it on a case by case basis because, I mean, we've seen some people, particularly yeah. recently, who just I who are not reasonable people, right, and who really should not be allowed to discern, right because they can't. Right. Yep. There's another opposite side of this in the in the New Testament, right? As the, the early church was starting, um, the infamous, famous uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they saw that lots of people in the early church were selling all their property, and they were kind of becoming well-known for being so generous to the church, like Barnabas and others were selling all their property, giving it to the church, and letting the church distribute it how they, how they wanted. And so... Ananias and Sapphira sold a bunch of their property uh, and said, here's all the money for our property, except they held a bunch back. Mm. And they gave the impression that they were more Mm. generous than they were. They were lying about that. And they fell dead. They fell dead and there was an immediate punishment uh, for what they were doing in their heart. And it seems like a a small white lie. What's the big deal? And, but again, I think it goes back to the heart. What are your intentions? Um, you know, for you to tell the story, there's no remorse there, right? You know, you can tell that, hey, this is the situation. This is what would happen. I have no remorse. I have no... No, I would do it again a hundred times ex- over. Exactly. Uh, I th- that shows your heart is in the right place. Uh, but if you can't tell this openly and honestly after the situation to trustworthy people, uh, I think that's a, that's a telltale sign that th- there's something wrong uh, in your heart when you did that, when you're lying. So I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Uh, what about cases that are a lot less extreme? Because right. you know, most people would lie to get out of like a life-threatening situation. I think that's fine. Right. What about like, um, like something really kind of seemingly harmless, where you're you're talking about like I might hurt somebody's feelings. Um, I had mm. a friend ask me like, she's just like, what do you do? Like someone came up to me and they were like their band wrote a song or something, and they're like, oh, what do you think of this? And I, and she's like, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Like, what do I say? You know, something yeah. small like that where it's, it's not life or death, but. Right. I think those are, yeah, that's tricky. Is there a way to. That's framing. That's how you fr- frame right. your answer. Can you Oreo cookie it? Or, or yeah. you, 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 <laughs> I like that you're trying. There's room for impure. There's room Ooh. for improvement. Killer. And can I help you out with, or I don't know, you know, like you start with something positive. Yeah. And then you 
talk about the reality and then you end with something. Yeah, yeah that's well, that, that is hard. The tact. But would you? The, love, but, but like, let's say, like, let's say it's someone you don't know very well. Yeah. And they're just kind of looking for some positivity or whatever. I mean, and you're not gonna sit them down and be like, "Hey, look, as a friend," because you're not a friend. Right. You just you were you happen to be there. Oh, what do you think? You're like. <laughs> yeah, but that's a case of I think that's subjective, right? So like there's no objective like y- you wouldn't how do I say it? um like if okay, like if a woman says, "Does this make me look fat?" We could objectively say <laughs> like this makes you look fat and maybe you could try a different style. Like this would be better. Do I have permission to use that as a response? <laughs> no. Yes. No. First of all, don't, if you're a woman, just don't ask that question. If you don't want an yeah, answer, see, Fa- I mean, flat out, don't, don't even, don't even ask it. But is it but, okay to lie? I don't, I don't think you have to lie in that situation. No, be- but, in the music situation. But many people would. I, I, well, no. What I would do is I would, I would try to find something I liked about it and just say, oh, I really liked, you know, what that this one lyric thing was. Or that, but yeah. But someone says, like, do you like it? And you're like, I don't know you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I mean, I have to do it all the time with you and your songs. <laughs> 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 Kidding. I, I think you're brilliant. Oh, gee. But- I, I th- it's interesting, too, that this is n- not only an ethical thing, but it's a cultural thing. In some cultures, honor, shame culture, you would never shame somebody in that situation. You would do everything you could to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. approve of them. Because what's most valued in that culture is their honor. And so... Or the context of instead of just a direct, this is not good, the con- reading the context of, of the response. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Well, I, th- I think the best response is obviously to be honest. Mm-hmm. But is it okay to lie? That's the question. That's really tough. Yeah. Would, I mean, how, would you lie, Pastor Ben? If you went to, I don't I'm trying to think of a scenario, but it's uh, someone's feelings are at stake. Yeah, right? I think I tend to be a people pleaser. And so it's easier, I think, for me to try to find a way to not <laughs> hurt their feelings. Right. Um, the consequences there or my heart there, all that seems different to me than... You know, now we're talking about you know hurting their feelings or not, or or you know, all those kinds malicious. of things. It's not malicious. But uh, I was thinking of other cases where people have they you know they say I'm I'm good with God. I confess my sin to God, but I'm not going to be honest with another human being. I don't because of legal refer, or, or, mm. you know problems, mm-hmm. or because mm-hmm. of you know I'm not going to be totally honest about everything and. And these little, it's not that, it seems like a, I've already been honest with God, these little white lies, these kinds of things. Mm. I think those ethical things that are going to hurt your soul, I, I'm trying to, saving face and and trying to, but at the end of the day too, it's not good for this, this person's future if mm-hmm. a bunch of people say, you're a great singer, and then you try to try out for American Idol, and you're like, right. finally Simon best. Cowell tells you, 
Did no, no one tell you you were not any good? Well, see, and I guess that's my that's my question. Is the person asking for an opinion like from a technical standpoint or from yeah. like a subjective like Do you like Do this? you like this song? Mhm. So what are, what are you yeah. from a technical well, side like I I mean Let's okay, here's the scenario. Okay, so Pastor Ben, your your daughter's in a school play. You go to the play and one of her friends says like, "Oh, hey, it's Shelby's dad." Like, "Did you like it?" Like or, my like, part did, or like yeah, like like oh, how do you think we did? Yeah. And and Consi- and, you, and, well. you th- and what you think is that she did a very bad job. Um. That would, yeah, that would be a hard one. I, I think in the in the in the moment to say what 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 you would say yeah. in that moment. I think. Uh, is there a way to say it in uh in a longer conversation like? You have other we, gifts. We need to talk. Yeah, you have other you have other <laughs> gifts. Because everybody is a genius at something. Agreed. And it's it's really tragic when people waste their time on something that just ain't it. That's that ain't yeah. it. That ain't, that ain't it. it. Move on. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of things at play there. The culturally appropriate thing to say in that moment to not hurt somebody's feelings and then the hey i'm your mentor i'm a friend i'm a father figure i'm a your father hey let's go in a different direction you've tried this it's not working out so i think those are two different things yeah personally Um, yeah it's kind of like when somebody says how you doing and it's a just a, a casual greeting See, that drives me crazy. You can't ask a question as a greeting because I don't know if you want me to respond or not. Like, I've had people walk ah, past me. Like, hey, Matt, how's it going? And before I can eat, they're already down the hall. It's like, right. oh, so you didn't want to, want an answer. So just say hi. <laughs> but what I mean, like, in that situation, what we normally say, oh, good, you know, things are fine. Yeah. If somebody then pours out everything and you Sometimes don't even know that person. Do. Right. And, 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 <laughs> But there's another another time for that, right? Like this in a, a yeah. casual walking past somebody in the hallway. Yeah. That's the probably not store, the cashier. But but if you ask the question, you sure. ask for the answer. Sure, that's true. Yeah, I just would if somebody is really going through a hard time. Let's let's set up a time. Let's go through that. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's try to find a way to help you. Yeah, those. I think we need to get an somebody who's got a philosophy major in ethics. You know to tell us how to how to deal with all these situations but i think there is a difference between culturally appropriate and spiritually harmful mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this is physically and spiritually harmful for you and then hey you don't really want to get into this right now you're just asking me a question and a quick opinion mm-hmm. i think that's different where's your heart that's what i would keep asking guard your heart all right but obviously very thankful you lied in that situation. Yeah, Glad it's you're, just weird. Yeah, it's really sad. The wickedness that's out there, yeah. and and when you're well, dealing and honestly, with, what am I gonna do? You know, think, like what is a 13 year old girl gonna do for you and your feuding? Which is you know, it's no, like okay, you let's, tell what, they were lying. let's sit this down. Yeah, All what right, am I now, gonna now, do for you? We're not gonna say anything. We're just gonna listen for five minutes. Yeah. So dumb. Right. This doesn't make sense. Right. Which you had kind of your your. You knew something was icky Spidey there. Spidey sense. Yeah, yeah, that was for sure. Her so. purple hair was tingling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think we need to teach our. And you said you teach your kids this. Where, all right, be wise. And I, 
Okay, here, here's something I, I think I've said in the podcast before. I mean, I just love Jesus He when he says, uh, be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And he's talking about the Pharisees. And they would ask him questions that they didn't really want the answer to, but they were trying to trick him. And he would, all, I think it's basically 100 time, 100% of the time, respond with another question. Mm. Like, you know, are, are you... Are you from God? And he'd say, I don't know. What did you think John the Baptist was from God? And he would ask another question because he he didn't wasn't going to play their game. So I think that's another another way to go. If you know that they're playing games, uh, don't get caught up in their games. You know. So. All right. Anything else? I'm good. Okay. The topic I want to talk about. We're kind of breaching this a little bit in our sermon series right now, but. Uh, Influencers. Uh, now we, it's it's a huge industry right now where you have uh, influencers in the wellness movement, uh, in financial influencers. Uh, sp- a lot of it is like success influencers, like help help you to start your business. Uh, there's all sorts of online classes you can take um, that people can people put on influencers on social media. So first of all. You know, some of them that aren't there anymore, but they were there. You know, we, we've mentioned this before. Uh, Rachel Hollis or um, Jen Hatmaker, I think she's still there. Annie Downs, I think, is that these are some of the some of the ones. I know um, Ed Milet is another one. Somebody mentioned an, some. There's some weird ones out there that are like totally vain and. Who are the people that you just mentioned? I know I, Some, I know most of them are Hollis. Christian. Or well, Rachel Hollis, she she started out with like kind of that book, "Girl, Wash Your Face." Yeah, but then she got she got out. Obviously, yeah, right? like, I don't her character. A lot of times too, you can get a big audience right now because how quickly things can grow, uh, because of the, the digital revolution. But your character doesn't mm, match away. up mm-hmm. with your you know it doesn't line up with with your influence. So I guess my question, first of all, is are there any that you guys follow? Is there a person that you look to that uh, you find helpful? Uh, is, there any, uh, is there anything about some of these influencers that rub you the wrong way? Uh, Jordan Peterson, we've mentioned on the podcast before. He's one of them. Uh, I think any of these podcasters, you know, Joel Rogan and, and uh, Annie Jocko, Beagie. Annie Beagie. <laughs> she's an influencer. Next level. It's a It's a... It's in one way it's not new. Socrates had his students that followed him. Jesus had his disciples that followed him. Uh, it's not a new thing. What makes it new, I think, is that you can be behind a screen. Mm-hmm. Your life can be totally different. Like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Rachel Hollis and her husband were having these marriage conferences that you had to pay thousands of dollars to go to, and then their marriage is crumbling behind the scenes. Uh, so. You can project an image and people aren't close enough to see what's really going on. That's one issue. And just how quickly you can scale with almost no money. You know, you can, you, how many people you can reach. And um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about this? Are there any you follow? Are there any you look up to? Um, is there anything that, ru- that you like about it? Anything that rubs you the wrong way? As a kind of a side note, the, uh, this reminds me of my favorite Christmas movie, Christmas in Connecticut. Yes. And kind of the premise is there's a woman who writes for 
you know, home, better homes and gardens or whatever. This is set back in the 40s. And she's writing about her lavish farm that she lives on with her new baby and her husband. She's cooking all these beautiful, wonderful meals. And then you, they pan to her and she's a single woman living in New York City in a small one-bedroom apartment, you know. Oh, and so, but fun. she's writing for this countrywide magazine, you know, and, and um, just not, you know, just being an influencer in the, yeah. dom- the domestic sense. But, um, yeah, so I don't, it just reminds me of that. But what what are, are we talking about, like, influencers of like substantial things we're talking about like fashion or anything really anything yeah yeah you you know i think there's some a big thing is all the uh home remodeling tv shows Mm -hmm. and all that that's Mm -hmm. out there right now where you have uh joanna Gaines Mm -hmm. and chip Gaines and uh that huge empire that they have and you know personal branding basically uh where a human becomes a brand and we follow everything they do and they get known for maybe one thing, and then and we follow them for everything, and we look to these people that maybe in the past we would look to a teacher, or a parent, or a family member, or a friend to kind of influence us, and now uh, we're looking to all these different gurus. I think some of the danger is you don't really need any credentials. Right. Uh, you have your own experience, and you know, so there there can be a temptation there to maybe speak to. freely or think or give the impression that you know what you're talking about and some do but some don't they don't have the credentials that's one thing um i I already mentioned the character thing um i also think there sometimes it can lead to unrealistic expectations like how many things can you follow how many to-do lists can Mm -hmm. you can you check off i mean how many different there are so many things that i i've tried out and like some things work and some things don't and and uh and you find out what's really, you know, not even the, the people who are promoting this even follow some of their own advice. So, yeah, what do you think, Matt? Do you have any, do you, I mean, do you listen to Jordan Peterson or any of those kind of different people? Are there other influencers that are influencing you? Mm. Uh, I don't listen to, I have listened to some like specific things from Jordan Peterson. I don't listen to him all mm-hmm. the time. Um I, I mean, I think what he most of what he says, I think, is is really sharp, and mm-hmm. so I appreciate it. Um, I don't know. I don't religiously follow like any mm-hmm. anyone who's influencing like thought or like morality, ethics, or stuff like that. I mean, Jesus, of course. <laughs> but, um, but as far as like you, um, like influencers who are like trying to like get you to like get your whole life together something like that i mean not really okay uh i don't i you know sometimes i'll get into one for a little bit and i'll yeah. see a couple of videos and it's like all right I, I get the point yeah and then sometimes they just repeat themselves in every video yeah or they'll just start talking about other stuff and it doesn't really seem like they know as much about right <laughs> so in many ways, I think it can be really helpful if you have a particular, if you're depressed or anxious or, you know, you can't get going and these people have had success in one area of their life and they mm-hmm. share their story and show tips as to how they, as long as they're being honest, um, I think it could be very helpful. Um, yeah. It, but I think yeah, the character issue, I've had a lot of pastors that I follow, I, don't, I think they'd be called influencers. They were writers and podcasters and, you know, preach sermons that kind of got outside of their own church influence. 
but as they got bigger, their character did not match up with their with their influence. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that's just such a burden. That's why it's and they were all men. I think many of the women who are in this uh, economic space or or in this are are very successful and and not like men are going to automatically be an issue and women are always going to be right. But it's interesting that all the women that I know, except for yeah, Rachel Hollis is one example, I guess, have st- stuck it out and they've, they've continued to be able to have uh, these ministries and these these uh, leading these groups of people where sometimes the guys get caught up in scandals, it seems like, uh, quicker. I know more men who've got caught up in scandals than than women. So it's, I, a, it's a crazy new world, I, I feel like. Uh, every new piece of technology creates a, a new world. And I, I'm thinking about even myself, like, all right, we got this whole digital studio, we're, we have this podcast. It, are we supposed to, and me as a pastor, supposed to try to reach more people outside of this? How much it is a personal brand? How much is it uh, in Victory's name? And all those kinds of things. Um, so these are things that I'm I'm trying to work through also myself. Uh yeah, but and I think I mean, th- plan on mentioning this in the sermon this weekend. I don't think we can comprehend what the printing press did 500 years ago to change the world. Up until that time, for thousands of years, people were handwriting, chiseling out symbols and words, and then there was uh, scribes that had to write every single word, and there was no ability to mass produce anything. And then Gutenberg figured out how to take little metal. Uh, letters that he that you forge and then you you put them in these slots and then you could have a sheet of paper that you could press a thousand times and create a, all of a sudden the bible is scalable um and martin luther he really took advantage as people say that if it wasn't for the printing press there would be no martin luther there would be no reformation because his writings his 95 theses his small catechism his translation of the bible spread and I think, I don't know if this is true, but like um, what was publicized by him is still, we still haven't caught up. There, there still isn't other writings that have been published as much as his, but I don't think that's, I don't know if that's true. And I've heard that is true. I don't know if that's true or not, but it really did change the world, change education, changed access to information. So that was a, the, the printing revolution. Think about the digital revolution. Now we're not paying a printer to print our stuff. You can publish videos and put it out for the world and anybody can do that. Um, and then you have that temptation to make it all about yourself or you have the, the opportunity to bless people or serve people. And you know, so just I'm trying to work all this out. Is this a good thing, a bad thing? Uh, is it worthy of our time? Is it what we should be buying into? Uh, is it helpful or not? So... Yeah, I think, um, I don't know that there's anybody that I follow like on TikTok or anything for, you know, uh, that type of life advice. I think it's, I'm more, you know, I like people who buy a lot of stuff on Amazon and then they review it so that I don't have to, Right. you know, like, oh, we bought this product and here's, you know, so things like that, like that you can be an influencer that way right? and even make some money, you know, maybe from Mm -hmm. Amazon or whatever. So there's. There's influencers, you know, on different different levels, I think. 
TikTok is kind of a faceless platform, right? I mean, it's not. You're I mean, watching, and then you're watching videos, and you're not necessarily. They're so fast, and there's so many of them. You're not necessarily connect like on YouTube videos or podcasts. You're really diving deep into one person. You're following this person. But on TikTok, the algorithm is just shooting tons of stuff at you from all these different places, right? That you're not necessarily gl- grabbing onto one person, are you? Um, you can. So okay. You can, you can like follow. Okay. Uh, accounts on TikTok. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I've got a handful. Some are just so outrageous. I follow <laughs> them just for sheerly like they're it's a train wreck, you know. And there's something fascinating about it. Yeah. Um, right. So I, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm going to keep thinking about it. It's a, it's a, it's a new world. It's a new, new way to communicate with people. Uh, and I, like I said, there's, there's some that I really have found helpful. Uh, we talk about the Kerry Newhoff podcast and some of the th- stuff he talks about when it comes to church and leadership, I, I found helpful. Um, and there are, there are a handful of others that I will try to listen to everything that they have to say, uh, but it also is that, again, I've been burned so many times, it's hard to really buy into a person that you don't know personally and you can't check up what's going on in their, their daily life. Like, are you, you're saying a lot of great stuff, but does your life match it, you know? Well, if you ever make it big, I'm <laughs> here to keep you humble, to keep you grounded. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I don't think we have any issue with that. I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone's going big here. Dang. <laughs> I also think that some influencers are at least on TikTok, can be really detrimental. Um, I There's like, people will do like a day in the life of, and they'll okay. like take a day in the life of themselves. Sure. And it's usually like some gorgeous, you know, thin blonde girl whose uh, dad probably honestly pays for everything for her. Sure. Um, so she's going about her day and she wakes up and she does her exercises and she makes her smoothie and she makes her bed. <laughs> and, and then, and then, and then she decides to take the dog for a walk and then she comes home and does a little bit of work like on the so like they just like show her opening the computer and like typing a few words and then you know and then it's like okay and then lunch and then it's like it's just so unrealistic like yeah it's not somebody going to work for like 8 hours right you know what i mean or even 4 hours it's like the work piece of their day yeah is a half an hour right so then editing the video you're watching now right Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, you know, real people don't live like this, right? Like this is right. not, this is not reality. And if people are to aspire to this, like you look so put together because yeah. it, so I, there's, you know, hopefully people aren't aspiring or, or thinking that this is an actual thing that you, you could do right without a rich dad. And I, I guess that that's one of concerns I have too is, you can consume a ton of information that can be helpful and they're trying to be helpful. You can also be consumed by that feeling my life stinks, inadequate, yeah. inadequate mm-hmm. or you get obsessed with somebody and mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're not doing the work. You're not doing anything helpful. You're not creating anything new yourself. You're not, uh, you know, you could be creating music or art or helping somebody or doing something valuable, but you're on the sidelines watching somebody else's life. And uh, I think that, that's another danger is a lot of this has made us spectators instead of creators. And mm-hmm. so how can you be a creator? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's another challenge. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I will keep, uh, 
keep talking about this and be interested if anyone has any thoughts on on people you follow, things that you find helpful. Uh, what, what kind of criteria do you have when you start following somebody or things that... One other, one final thing. I think the people I appreciate the most are really skilled at what they do and they're trying to be helpful. The people who just want to make a name for themselves, you can kind of see right away. And I guess those people you should don't get very far anyways because it, it can kind of get nauseating. So, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're helpful, you probably can help a lot of people and the, the pretty big platform to do that. Mateo, díganos. We're going to talk about hell. Okay. Um, so, well, so I, I questions about uh, heaven and hell, and I was just thinking, like, whenever I picture hell, I always picture, like, the cartoon, like it's sure. red, there's <laughs> fire in the background, and there's, like, a red guy with horns, mm-hmm. sure. like a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and then heaven is, like, it's in the clouds, and there's, like, a big, like, wall or, like, a gate, and there's, like, stair steps or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, what about heaven and hell... Mm-hmm. Is uh is biblical and, and what's in po- what's popular culture? That's good. It's a good question. So if you just read the Bible naturally, you're gonna read a long time before you see anything that says hell. Uh, you're gonna talk. You're gonna read in the Psalms about judgment. Uh, even you know right away in Genesis, you're gonna hear about um that the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Like, that's going to happen. You're going to now experience death. Uh, In the Old Testament, the word for where you go when you die is Sheol. And this uh, Sheol is is just, some people say hell, but even believers go there and they rest with their fathers. It's it's kind of a, uh, a general word for where you go when you die in the Old Testament. Um, the book of Isaiah is, gets a little bit clear that at the end of the book of Isaiah, it talks about um, in the renewed world and new heavens and new earth after the resurrection. Uh, right at Isaiah 66, it talks about how God's people will look down on those who are suffering punishment as a, a sense of hope and vindication for being um, suffering injustice from some of these uh very corrupt governments that had uh, controlled them for decades, like the Babylonians and others. And so hell was actually a, a, pe- a kind of like justice, like vindication. This is th- this was not something to be scared of, but something to celebrate because, you know, in, almost in Isaiah, one of the blessings of re- the resurrection is the vindication and the justice that, that they received. Um, Jesus is the one who probably speaks about it the most, uh, and you don't have. It's not talking about it all the time, but he does talk about it as a place of gnashing of teeth, and uh, and he probably the clearest one is is it uh, Matthew twenty four or twenty five where you have the parable. It's not really a parable, but the last day and day of judgment, the separating the sheep and the goats, and he says that. Those on his left will go to hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for people. It almost makes this makes that idea. And um, and then he will say to those on his right, "Go, you who are blessed, my father, take your inheritance that was prepared for you 
from the creation of the world. So God has prepared blessing for humans. Never wanted anyone uh, to go to hell, but um, those who go there because of, of their own decisions. I'm glad you brought this up because I think this is a huge misunderstanding. I think lots of ideas, I think that cartoon nature of heaven and hell comes more from Plato and Dante's Inferno and some of these other things uh, than, so Greek ideas and extra biblical ideas and medieval uh, ideas of using hell and purgatory as a, way to create more money for the church uh, through indulgences and that kind of, and so a lot of Martin Luther was responding to that kind of thing, um, the medieval view of hell. And I know hell is a big subject that I think many people have left the Christian faith because of that, uh, because of especially some of the, the, again, the emphasis, especially coming out of the Reformation on hell, uh, because that was a huge topic in the medieval church. Finally, what I see from beginning to end the focus of the Bible, if you were to line up all the passages on on this, is the resurrection of our bodies and the resurrection of the world. Isaiah, Job, Ezekiel, um, just even the pattern of all the minor prophets, Jesus' teaching, Second Peter, I go on and on, Romans 8, about the, the world in bondage to decay and being liberated from its bondage. Uh, and then finally, the last two chapters of the Bible, the focus is on the resurrection, that God made a good world. This good world has been tainted by sin. God is not just going to crumble it up and throw it in the trash as if the devil won. God is going to remake this world resurrect our bodies, and all the things that were wrong, have gone wrong, are going to be made right. And that's, I think, what Jesus came to do, was to renew all things. And he even says that when he talks about judgment days, he says, at the renewal of all things. Now, as far as the particulars of hell, again, we have one or two verses from Jesus. And I, you know, I don't know what, we could, what we're supposed to do with those, how far we should take those. And, and it seemed like the medieval church really got excited about it yeah. in its art right. and its preaching and went zeroed in on those two verses almost to the exclusion of the others. But I do think there's a real hell. I do think um, God's judgment is just. And if there wasn't, Hitler got away with it. Stalin got away with it. Uh, I heard Tim, Pastor Timothy Keller say, if there's no eternal consequences, life is actually meaningless. Like if you can do whatever you want and get away with anything. So those are a bunch of random thoughts on heaven and hell. Uh, what, so like, um, I don't know, what are, have you guys heard any, any uh, interesting theories or not necessarily theories, but like objections to, teachings about heaven and hell or you know if as you're talking to people and you say oh you're christian i mean have you heard anybody say anything like oh hell that's you can't believe that or that's why would a loving god send people to hell Mm -hmm. that's one yeah you mean like that yeah sure yeah that's that is one yeah right it's a fair question right uh 
I agree with that's a really hard question, um, especially when we start with the assumption that you know people are basically good and everything's basically good. And for the most part, I feel like us, we live in a pretty comfortable community. We're, we're not facing extremes of injustice you know that, that I can see in front of me. Those of us uh, in our community who've suffered abuse, uh, you know, you talked about that scenario already in this podcast. You know, what if you didn't lie in that situation? You know, what is the vindication and the justification for a person like that who makes those kind of lies and, and harms children or whatever without remorse? Um, you, you go to the courtroom, and if a judge doesn't lay down a just punishment for somebody that is corrupt, there is a sense in, in us that says, there needs to be justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is, it's interesting, we have tried to erase hell and yet we've turned hell on earth. We've, we've, we've canceled people. We've, we've tried to bring... So Paul says, uh, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, leave room for God's justice. And I think because we haven't left room for God's justice, because we don't believe in a final justice now, we feel like we have to right all wrongs yes. in this moment. Yes. And, uh, and so I think there's a consequence for us trying to erase hell. And I get it. I, I, I think that, that that is a legitimate... I know people who've left the faith because of it. I can see why somebody would. Uh, I, you know, I, there's parts of it that I really struggle with. You know, So I, I, it's, not, it's not a cut and dry answer. It's not, it's not an easy, easy mm-hmm. answer. Yeah, I was thinking one thing one thing I've heard too is people it's so hard to just fathom, mm-hmm. you know, it's like where do you get that idea? Like wh- that there's an afterlife, this eternal afterlife. And I I think part of the problem is like it, when people think of hell, they think of it as a place. It's like a fiery pit where there's like demons going around torturing people. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's a cartoon. <laughs> right, and it's and Dante's really, Inferno and and, yeah. and 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 pagan. Uh, you know, I think even most pagan, there's something about even the natural knowledge of God found in most belief systems that have some kind of final judgment because there, I think there is something inside of us that says this is not it. There has mm-hmm. to be some justice. And I think mm-hmm. that comes from our conscience. I think that comes from our natural knowledge. And I think that's why almost... All, yeah, religions and even worldviews has some some kind of final judgment. Yeah, but I I know people have just have problems with the believability. Sure, and the biblical view of hell, from especially really clear in Revelation, is not that the devil and his demons are the wardens and the torturers, but they're the prisoners. Mm-hmm. That hell, again, like Jesus said, it was made for the devil and his angels where they will be inmates and no longer able to harm us anymore. And, and that's again where heaven is, the, the renewed world is pictured as a city with the gates always open because you don't have to lock your car anymore. You don't have to lock your doors anymore. The gates are always open because the gates of hell are shut and they can't get out and harm you anymore. Mm. And so I, I think for the most part, 
except maybe you could look at Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, 24, 25, whatever it is. Uh, that's the only one I can think of. Maybe the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man and poor Lazarus, uh, as kind of a warning of watch out. You don't want to go to hell yourself. But there's so much in the Bible that hell is, again, a picture of, uh, it's, it's, it gives peace to the victim that those people who hurt you are not going to be able to touch mm. you anymore. They're not mm. going to, they're going to, you're going to get justice. Um, okay, another question then. Do you know where the teaching of purgatory comes from? I think some of it comes from an intertestamental Jewish, the, from the Maccabees. I think there's there's some things written in between the last book of the Old Testament and the New Testament, that 400 years of silence, where, this is off the top of my head, I haven't looked at this in a long time, but I think it has something to do with. Does someone have a phone? You want to yeah. try to look up where the origin of purgatory? Yeah, because I just like. And I think it, it's it's a mixture of Greek mythology, Jewish, intertestamental writings. They mentioned the purgatory of Catholic doctrine. Yeah, that's the one. Has ancient roots. Medieval. So it really came to light in in um, again. It was used as a a means of of you know guilt, and uh, you have to kind of work your way out of purgatory. And indulgences will will kind of speed speed you through that. Um, yeah. So they call it celestial Hades. Mm-hmm where you have to kind of finish the work of your life. Uh, so I, I, yeah, so here it says, um, it, you know, originally it came to a worldwide practice for caring for the dead and praying for them and to the belief found in Judaism, which is considered the precursor of Christianity, a prayer for the dead. And I think that's what's, mm -hmm. there's a praying for the dead that was intertestamental writings mm. that there was kind of this praying for the dead. And then that led kind of morphed into this place where they're, they're still in kind of a intermediate state mm. before they finish paying off their debt before yeah. they enter into uh, heaven. Huh? So, yeah. Um, Appears in the writings of Plato and Heracles, and then you know it's other pagan writers. So it's it's not necessarily a Christian idea. It's a mixture of Greek mythology, oh. and, and then became a formal Roman Catholic teaching in the late 11th century. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Weird, because I have like because I've seen like you know you see a Catholic priest or something will like draw a little bit of scripture here and there, and I never I was like. I still don't get it. Like I don't mm -hmm. know how you're getting that whole that whole doctrine from like a couple verses. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's not necessarily it's not biblical. I don't know how you find that in in biblical teaching. Not our Bible. <laughs> yeah, I think in a Catholic Bible. Now I don't know. I'm I I don't know. 
the Catholic Church is so big, and there's so much variety, I think, inside the Catholic Church on, on a lot of these ideas. I, I, I'd be interested to hear what a Catholic priest would say. I don't want to speak for them. Mm-hmm. But as far as the origins, I think there is pretty clear to be traced back to extra-biblical hmm, sources. Okay. And, 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 you know, a lot of that is Greek mythology mixed with some Judaism, mixed with some Christianity. And then by the time the 11th mm-hmm. century comes around, which is really when I think the the reformers would say this is when the Catholic Church really started to promote work righteousness, indulgences, and a need for a, a reformation. They would point to that that period. Okay. I think oh, that's I don't want to throw I think that's Pope Gregory, you know, when it kinda started to really get off the rails. Yes. Uh, Seventh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah so I got. I'd have to look nothing. that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that kind of the the foundations of penance came like very quickly in the in the first couple of centuries, though, because um, so many people apostatized during the persecution, and so then the people who kind of remained faithful to the faith were like. Hmm, well, what should they have to do before we kind of let them back into the church? Because they were trying to escape persecution, so they sort of gave up Christianity for the time. And so, yeah, it kind of spiraled out of control. Yeah, Pope Gregory was 600 AD, mm. but then, yeah, um, I, I think they just, it just kind of started to spiral. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I am not a, a church historian in in that sense, but I, I, I think that it definitely wasn't an early Christian doctrine that came clearly. It's not in the Apostles' Creed. It's not in the Nicene Creed. It's not in the Athanasian Creed. It's not in, in the early church documents. They did not see that coming out of Scripture. Um, pretty cool or pretty clear. There's two places. There's a resurrection of the body and the life of the yeah. world to come. Uh, yeah. Not intimate intermediator yeah. state. Well, with uh, yeah, and just the kind of the pictures of heaven and hell that we all kind of like have in our minds. Like, I I was just thinking like it's probably just more useful because it's really easy to just ridicule like mm-hmm. that cartoony kind of yeah. That, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the word. Far side kind of cartoons. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, but you know, like when we, we say like um like when I die, I want to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you want to be with God, right? And that's about all it says in the Bible. Uh, when when it's Paul like go to the cloud palace, right? Like, there's you know. there's really not much there um, about cloud or anything like that. Um, heaven, the Hebrew word for heaven and and sky is the same word, but it is used to kind of God space, whatever that is. Um, but when the only thing we have about going to heaven, I mean, Paul just says in Philippians chapter one, he says, when I die, I will depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Yeah. I don't think you have any verse in the Bible that says, I'm going to heaven when I die. Well, when Christ ascends, though, like he ascends up into the clouds. So maybe that's where it kind of comes from, too. He ascends and he's covered by a cloud. We say he ascended into heaven. Right, and that would be kind of the place of God, whatever that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's another one of the confusion because the heaven and God's space and sky are the same yeah. word. Yeah. And that's medieval too. 
because they would they just like would they like built they had a really weird galaxy like our galaxy model you know with the little balls that spin around yeah. each other. this it, was like there's the earth and then there's the sky the dome on top of it and it's all these rings it's like then there's the moon and then there's the stars and that's where you get the idea of like the heavens like it's these layers and the angels live way up there and then god is way up there on top right and then hell is like at this like down underground the center of the earth yeah, yeah right. it's like this horrible place you know, it's interesting that it's kind of popular right now to have a, a multiverse kind of idea that there's other dimensions out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's more closely what it is. There's another dimension. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, yeah. just the way we talk about it, maybe there's a better, more specific way. Yeah. Just so that you're not playing into, like, oh, go to hell, like you're going to the that fiery dungeon. I don't think it's helpful to talk about too much that's outside. Right. God made this world. He, it's created. Mm-hmm. He made us. He's not done with it. You know, and sometimes when people say, this world is, you know, all bad and everything's bad about this world and all material is bad, like that's a very Platonic idea. Plato looked at the world and material as a bad thing. And the goal of life was to kind of escape the material world. And, and maybe a caricature, I'm not a, scholar on buddhism but there's a kind of this idea of maybe maybe it's a character of buddhism but like extinguishing all desire so no desire for anything then you won't have then you won't have setbacks um the christian view is that god made the world and the world is good and yes we've ruined it and tarnished it but he's not done with the world and so this world that god made he's going to renew this world and and he's the one who you know i love nature i love uh, our, the human body and all these incredible things that he designed um sometimes i've described it as like a titanic view of of the world sometimes we look at the world like oh it's all bad and just like the titanic went down we're going down and so we might as well jump to the life raft and float away to heaven somewhere God made this world, we should enjoy this world, and he's going to make this world 2.0. There's not something else out there that we should be looking to escape this world. Um, let's get our hands dirty and, and participate in the ruling over this world like it says on the first page of the Bible. So that, I, I, one of my, I think, uh, desires as a pastor is to clear up some of these misunderstandings in medieval and Greek intrusions into the christian faith it's kind of funny how we still hang on to those it is and and it's it's interesting how you hear maybe some pastors or people preach on it and they're they're, they say things but it's not coming directly out of the text because if you would preach the text you would not find those kind of greek ideas in the text so preach the word be dedicated you know even if the wor- word of God messes with your categories. And I'm sure there's, there's things that the medieval church got wrong. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's things that our modern church is getting wrong too, that we're missing some things on how the Bible is portraying them and what the reality of the world and science and all these things are. And so 500 years from now, if God has allowed us to, to stick around, they'll probably look at back on our era and say how messed up we were in some areas. Right. So it's not like all medieval theology was wrong. They did get a lot of things right, and I think Luther got a lot of things right, but I think this heaven and hell and purgatory is a... It's taken a long time to clean up, and it's still holding on, like you said, holding on to these Mm -hmm. misunderstandings. 
and it it makes Christians just want to escape. They don't sometimes they don't see the value in getting their hands dirty in this world because they're so focused on escaping this world, and I don't think that is biblical right. or helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I clear everything up. Interesting. Problem solved. <laughs> As always. Right. For those of you that missed it, that word was persnickety. Persnickety. <laughs> Matthew Harbach. <laughs> if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.